It's Wednesday, February 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, the two sides uh, continue to meet this week in uh, Major League Baseball's labor negotiations. Uh, not much to report after Tuesday's, uh, what they met for about an hour and a half. Uh, I think uh, the, the big headline there was that um, the players' union uh, walked back what they were asking for a, a bonus pool for uh, players who were not yet arbitration eligible. Uh, the, the report was that uh, originally they had asked for 105 million uh, for that bonus pool. Now they're down to 100 million. Uh, and I think the, uh, the owners are uh, offering something around the, the range of 30 million. Uh, it, they continue to, to meet and they continue to want to uh, make progress, but uh, it's, it's been a slow go so far. Yeah, definitely, Joe. And, uh, you know, I, I would think uh, the start of spring training is, is probably in danger right now. You know, if, you're, if camps are, were going to open around the, mid, the middle of February, it's February 3rd today. Uh, so, you know, this is, uh, you know, nothing gets done without a deadline. And the deadline is here. It's, it's approaching pretty, pretty quickly. And if you look at the, uh, you know, all the emergency scenarios, um, you know, it's probably, you know, a four week spring training max to, uh, you know, save the start of the regular season on March 31st. Uh, we're not there yet, but uh, we're, we're closing in on it. Yeah, it's getting there. Uh, you were able to uh, talk to a couple of uh, Guardians players, uh, Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, uh, just to get a, a sense of what their offseason has been like. And as we get closer to, you know, the potential or the, the scheduled starting time for training camp, uh, you know, what their uh, what their feelings are. Uh, what did you learn uh, about what's keeping uh, Bieber and Plesak going right now? You know, it's it, it's interesting, Joe. They they they're you know they they work out together in Arizona. They they both live in Scottsdale, so they've been working out together for for you know uh, a couple months now. Uh, they throw together. They they train at the same facility. Uh, Beaver says he feels great. He feels so good. It's uh, almost scary, you know, with him making only 16 starts last season because of that shoulder, the, the strained rotator cuff, uh, and he's. He's kind of in a uh, limbo, the same kind of limbo that, you know, every player was in uh, two years ago during the pandemic when spring training was uh, shut down. Um, and, uh, you know, he doesn't know what, if he should keep pushing, you know, and uh, really keep throwing bullpens or, or maybe just to back off a little bit and uh, not, uh, you know, just, so it, it's really a kind of a interesting situation for him and, and, uh, you know, Police Act really didn't have a, a, any injury sit, uh, questions last year with his arm. You know, he broke his thumb, but, but uh, you know, so he's going full go. He's, he, I think he throws like three times uh, a week in, in Arizona, then goes out to uh, Orange County in California and throws with Noah Syndergaard and Mike, Mike Lorenzen and a bunch of guys out there. Uh, he throws some bullpens. Austin Hedges caught his first bullpen mm -hmm. out there. And, uh, Plowecki, a former tribe catcher, Kevin Plowecki, caught one of his bullpens. So he's he's doing he's doing fine. Um, and both guys are kind of, you know, they've been watching the negotiations, but uh, you know, Bieber was really 
kind of deeply involved in the pandemic as him and Lindor, Francisco Lindor were the, were the player reps. Uh, but he has kind of stepped aside. He said, I just want, I just want to st- really concentrate on, on, on the shoulder and getting healthy and, you know, getting back to where I was uh, before last year's injury. So Aaron Savali has been, is, is now the Indians player rep. Right. And uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Bieber sort of taking that, that wait and see approach uh, like they did during the pandemic year in, in 2020. Uh, but at least during the pandemic year, they were able to talk to the, the coaches and, and be on a, on a sort of a guided program uh, with, with the pitching coaches that, you know, something was set up so that uh, I know that all the, the Cleveland pitchers were sort of geared towards, okay, when the season starts, we're going to be ready uh, because of that, you know, program that the coaches had them on. This is all just sort of, you know, individual, you know, self-guided sort of stuff right now because they're not allowed any communication. Yeah, both guys, uh, Bieber and, and Polisak said that was really, really strange. Uh, you know, Bieber, uh, you know, just because he, you know, just, from, you know, he, he likes Carl Willis. He likes, uh, you know, he knows Torres, you know, Michael Torres, uh, Jose Torres, uh, the, uh, or Joe Torres, the new, uh, the, uh, the new assistant pitching coach. And, uh, you know, uh, Sweeney, the bullpen coach. And he hasn't been able to talk to any of those guys. Uh, you know, uh, Plesek said something interesting. He goes, they, you know, they knew this was going to come down. They, you know, prior to uh, the lockout being, de- uh, you know, declared that they, they had an idea that this was going to go down. So they, they did a lot of pre-planning mm-hmm. and he felt that, uh, you know, the coaches have an idea where everybody is on their program, but, you know, it, it's still, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's a lot easier to uh, stay focused and stay motivated if you're talking to, you know, your pitching coach every other day or once a week, twice a week, or rather than just being on your own. So, you know, and, and like you said, Joe, that when the, uh, when Cleveland came back from the uh, pandemic in 2020, their, their pitching staff was one of the, you know, saving graces. I mean, those starters, kind of came right out of the box and they were going five and six innings while other teams, you know, starters were going two, three and a third, three, you know, four innings. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they still have that same mindset that, you know, they're going to be ready to go when spring, when spring training does open. All right. And, you know, the other group of uh, players and, and folks, uh, you know, affected by this are, are guys like, uh, you spoke to Tyler Freeman and Rich Palacios, who are uh, young guys added to the 40-man roster who haven't even played in the big leagues yet. But, you know, once uh, they're not able to report to any of the, the club's facilities, even in like the Dominican or out in Arizona uh, to work out, they're sort of uh, in, in even more limbo because, you know, they don't even have a year of uh, of major league experience under their belt and they're being locked out as well. Yeah. Freeman, especially he was, uh, when the lockout came down, he was in, you know, in Goodyear rehabbing his, uh, shoulder. He had undergone a uh, left shoulder surgery to repair his labrum and he had to leave. He had to go back to, you know, he owns a t- house in Texas. He had to go back to Texas, you know, fine. And, uh, I think, you know, the Indians helped them find a rehab center, but he said, uh, 
you know, everything in Arizona in Goodyear was, you know, it was a great routine, you know, and you're all, you were doing it in one place. And uh, now that he's back home in, in Texas, you know, he's got to drive, you know, an hour to, to hit, then he's got to drive or, you know, an hour to train and rehab. Then he's got to drive again to hit and drive somewhere else to, you know, field ground balls or lift weights. So, you know, it, it's, it's a little more, it's, it's, it's in, it's not as convenient as obviously as being, you know, uh, you know, in Goodyear with the team's trainers, with the team's medical staff. And he said, you know, he's nearly 100 percent, you know, in, in his recovery from uh, from the sh this, uh, shoulder surgery. But, uh, you know, he, he would certainly like to be in, in Goodyear right now, kind of finishing that rehab off. Yeah, and, and Palacios is a guy who, you know, wants to come into camp and and sort of compete for or at least show the major league staff that, hey, I'm I'm ready to be. Uh, you know, sort of on the, the cusp there and, and uh, a phone call away at, at Columbus if you need him uh, as an outfielder or even as an infielder. Uh, it's got to be weird for him, just, you know, disappointing for him not to be able to have that opportunity, you know, right in front of him. Yeah, he is. He said, uh, you know, he, he played uh, in the Arizona Fall League. And after that season ended, he went, they, they went, he, him and his family went and visited his grandmother in, in Florida. And, uh, you know, spent about three weeks there. And then he's been back in Arizona ever since then. He's been training, um, you know, uh, with a bunch of big league players there. Uh, Daniel Johnson, he hits with Daniel Johnson in Tempe. And, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he does all his baseball activities or, you know, works out in, in uh, Peoria, uh, uh, Arizona. And uh, so he's been out there for a long time. And he's, you know, obviously – you know, I, I got the sense that Freeman was a little more anxious to get going just because of the, the shoulder. Uh, you know, Palacios was taking it kind of playing. You know, he wasn't, you know, it, it was he was taking, OK, you know, this thing is going to get over when it gets over. But, uh, you know, I, th I think Freeman was a little more anxious to get going than Palacios was. And, you know, I think awesome. and obviously, you know, because, you know, because of the injury, I think. But both of them are, you know, really. You know, this is their first camp, first big league camp. Uh, and along with nine other guys, you know, 11 guys are, are on the 40-man uh, roster for the first time. So there's a lot of guys in the same boat uh, with the Guardians if and when this, this spring training happens. Right. Uh, I did get a chance to talk to Austin Hedges uh, yesterday, and, you know, he expressed a lot of the same thing. He it, it sort of uh, you know, with a, a little more veteran perspective, he's he's pretty confident that, you know, once things get going, that the the pitching staff can can get things ramped up pretty quickly. Uh, but he sounded very excited to be, uh, you know, the guy sort of in position to take the bulk of the innings there this year uh, with, you know, guys like Beaver and Plesek and uh, Aaron Savali as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, today. We're going to continue our little series of uh, 25 most memorable uh, figures in Cleveland baseball history from the time that uh, hoinsey has been on the beat there uh, covering uh, Cleveland baseball. Uh, today, I, I will uh, we'll get into and, and read the uh, sort of the, the blind intro here. Uh, it'll be it'll be It'll be pretty obvious once you, you start hearing some of the numbers, uh, but uh, I think Hoynes, you'll have a guess here in a second. 
Uh, this individual hit for the cycle in 2003 against the Twins, the seventh cycle in club history. He hit six grand slams in 2006, led the AL in slugging percentage that year, and also had the most home runs and RBIs, uh, 39 homers, 110 RBIs, by a designated hitter in Cleveland history. Uh, hit one of the longest home runs in uh, the ballpark history at uh, Jacobs Field slash Progressive Field, uh, 477 feet in 2005 against Cincinnati. Uh, he holds the club career record for home runs by a designated hitter, and he got and the the, the record for most hit by pitches, uh, 70, 176 home runs uh, by a DH and 85 hit by pitches uh, in his career uh, with the Indians. Uh, for the last seven years, he served as a special assistant for baseball operations. Uh, Hoinsey, who are we talking about? It's got to be Pronk, Joe. Uh, Travis <laughs> Hafner. <I know. laughs> hey, every time I hear that nickname, it's 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 just so it's so perfect. It's so fitting. Where did that nickname come from? Where when when did that come about? He told me, you know, Bill, he said he always. I, I remember saying like Bill Selby gave it to him, but I think Selby was played, played with him in Texas before they traded for him. And they ended up in, in Cleveland as well with, with uh, Hafner. And, and it, it was like, you know, Hafner's such a big guy. And he goes, you know, it meant, uh, Pronk meant half project and half donkey. And so, so I guess it, it was, it went from that to, uh, uh, Pronky and then it went to Pronk. And I remember Hafner saying, you know, he loved it. He loved it. He loved that nickname and uh, didn't like Travis as his first name. And he said he wouldn't let his mom call him Travis. She, she had to call him Pronk. She had to call him. Mom had to call him Pronk. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about and and this is this is true. He was, uh, you know, a, a big, imposing, intimidating looking, you know, sort of guy. But but really, he was just a, a, a big old. I don't want to say softy, but you know, he was, he was a nice guy. He wasn't a, he, he wasn't as, you know, scary as his, you know, sort of figure imposed, uh, you know, upon you. No, he was a great guy to talk to always, uh, you know, he, and he had that dry sense of humor, you know, him and Casey Blake were, were really good friends and they, they got on each other. It was fun to listen to them get on each other during, during batting practice and in the locker room. And uh, it was just, he was just really, a, really a good guy, down to earth guy. When he came from North Dakota, his uh, his graduating class in North Dakota was nine was nine people, nine people in his high school graduating class, and he was a valedictorian. The, the high school was so small, Joe. They didn't have a baseball team. He had to play. He played American Legion baseball. He didn't play uh, baseball in high school. Wow. Uh, you talk about uh, just dominant stretches, uh, you know, and you, you'd like to see, you know, that stretches be like, you know, uh, four or five years. This was a three year stretch here from 2004 uh, to 2006, where and, you know, he he, he batted, you know, 311, 305, 308. Uh, led the league in OPS in uh, and slugging in 2006, uh, and OPS plus led the league in OPS plus in 2004 at 162, with the league average being one. Uh, uh, the league average being 100. Uh, this was uh, you know in the 
the early 2000s, this was the heart of the Indians' offense. Yeah, those three or four years that you mentioned there, Joe. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was one. Of, he was the. He was one of the best hitters in baseball at that time. He and if you know, it wasn't like he was a wild swinger either. He you know was just you know an all or nothing hitter. If you didn't if if he didn't hit a home run, he walked. And mm-hmm. there were times when he would get on base six, seven, eight times. You know, consecutive you know plate appearances. It was it was a just an unbelievable thing to watch. The one year he had five grand slams before the All Star break, and finished with six grand slams overall to uh, you know tie uh, Don Mattingly's uh, record. I, and his when he hit for the cycle against the Twins uh, at, at the old Metrodome uh, that was on uh, August fourth, two thousand and three. There was you know. <laughs> There was a power outage right after the game. It was like the biggest, one of the biggest power outage is in uh, United States history. The whole, uh, you know, East Coast, East side of the, the country was, mm-hmm. was out. You know, the Indians could barely get out of, uh, out of Minneapolis and get home to Cleveland. And I blamed it all on Pronk hitting for the cycle. It was like the, the, the earth move when, when he hit for the cycle. Eddie Murray was a hitting coach. Then and uh, when when Pronk got his triple, Eddie Eddie was just like his eyes were rolling because you know Pronk wasn't that fast, man. But when he got moving, he was a hard man to stop. Well, I remember that triple because it was on the turf, the old kind of turf at uh, at the Metrodome. That ball stayed down and just scooted all the way to the to the wall, and and I believe it was right center. Uh, but that ball didn't get get up off the ground. It, it was a the, you know, a, a burner across the, uh, the the top of the turf there, that old uh, that old kind of carpet turf, not like the uh, the grassy kind of turf they have now. And I just remember uh, seeing Pronk, you know, like you said, hauling around the bases there, you know, more like a, uh, more like a defensive end chasing down a, a running back downfield <laughs> than uh, than than a, 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 an infielder or a, a designated hitter. Uh, but yeah, I. He, he did seem to come through in a lot of clutch moments as well for, uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, I remember him hitting a few walk-off home runs and, uh, you know, just being a guy that was just sort of a, a steady presence. What was, what was he like, you know, with his teammates there? You, said, you mentioned Casey Blake, but, uh, you know, the, the, other, the other players and, and managers and coaches had to, had to respect him. Uh, he, Eric, Eric Wedge had to, had to love. Uh, just being able to put him in the middle of the lineup all the time. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, he was a big wrestling fan, pro wrestling fan. He looked like a pro wrestler. And, you know, yeah. he, he had, he shaved his head, Joe. And, but, and, but, you know, later went later in his career with the Indians, you know, he grew his hair and I, he grew his hair back. He had like a full head of hair. And I said, I thought you were bald. I thought that's, that's why you shaved your head. I think he just, he just liked shaving his head, I guess. And, you know, and this was one, this was a great trade that the Indians made to get him from Texas. They sent Anar Diaz and Ryan Drees to Texas to get Pronk uh, on December in uh, you know I think in 2002. Yeah, in 2002, it was just a, a big move for them. And unfortunately, you know uh, Pronk, you know, got hurt. You know, he had a bunch of injuries at the, uh, you know, the second part of his career with, uh, with, with the Indians. And, and most of them came after he signed that big, big deal with them. 
which at the time, the four-year $57 million deal, you know, was, was the biggest in, in, in club history right after the All-Star break in 2007. And, uh, you know, his, his career kind of tapered off after that. Right. Yeah. That was sort of the, the, the story of the, you know, the first half of his career with Cleveland, uh, you know, the, the, he spent 10 years here. Uh, the, the story was, you know, he's a, a, a top five hitter in the American league. He's a, you know, he's doing everything that David Ortiz was doing in, in Boston, you know, to, to a degree. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, like you said, he signs the, the extension and then physically things just went completely downhill and his last, uh, what, his last, you know, four or five years with, uh, with Cleveland, uh, 197 batting average in 57 games in 2008. That was a, an injury-shortened season. Uh, 272, 278, 280, just not, uh, you know, numbers that uh, maybe, you know, today would be really acceptable. But, but back then there were, uh, you know, it was, it was not the same uh, sort of time. Uh, the, the strikeout numbers also, you know, climbed. I think in 2010, he struck out 94 times and, and only walked 51. And, and that's just not, you know, peak Travis Hafner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a nerve problem in his shoulder in 2008. He had surgery after that, after that season. And he told me, like, he could hardly, you know, lift, like, lift a, like, lift a, a mustard, uh, you know, or uh you know, just pick up a can of pop or something or anything because his, his, his whatever was going on with his shoulder, he just couldn't, you know, he, he had no strength in it. And, uh, you know, they, I don't think they ever really, you know, they did the surgery, they didn't find anything, but I don't think they ever really found out what the problem was. And, you know, eventually they, they didn't pick up his option and he, you know, ended up, I think he finished his career with the Yankees. Yeah, 82 games with the Yankees in 2013. Uh, and then that was it. Uh, now he, he, he serves as a, a, a special assistant uh, to the baseball operations department uh, with, with Cleveland. Um, just what's it like to, to see him, uh, you know, still around, occasionally see him still around, you know, maybe, maybe out at spring training or helping out with the, in the minor leagues, uh, you know, just to, to, to recognize, I mean, he spent 10 years, he, he didn't realize he spent 10 years with the club. That's, that, that's a long time. Uh, you know, a full decade there, um, pretty much all of the, uh, the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it, I saw, I, you know, I run into him sometimes at the airport, he'll be going somewhere. And uh, I remember uh, I saw him a couple of years ago in, at the airport in Cleveland. And uh, he, he told me he was breaking down, like uh, the, the Indians sent him, uh, you know, tapes of like, uh, 40 guys from the Dominican Republic and he was breaking down their swings. You know, he was doing stuff like that. He really, I think he enjoys that. And, you know, he's, he's got, you know, I think he's got two or three boys that are all playing baseball. I think they lived in, they had, they had, I don't know if they sold their house in Cleveland. They lived here for a long time. And then I think they live in Florida now, but uh, uh, Joe, there was a, I just remember this, the one home run he hit in Kansas city at Kauffman stadium. It was he hit this ball and then they have a bar. They used to have a bar in right, right center field in the upper mm -hmm. deck. 
he hit this bar. He hit a home run into the bar. It was like the baseball bounced into the bar and, you know, or bought a round for the house or something, but it was, <laughs> it was a massive shot. It was, it was unbelievable. He, what was, what was the reaction from the, the, the coaches and the players when they saw that? Yeah, they were, I mean, they couldn't believe it. It, it was, it was, it was, you know, just one of those home runs that kind of stick in your mind that, that you never forget. And then there was Pronkville too, you know, mm-hmm. when they opened up, uh, the mezzanine and renamed it Prongville in, in right in right field. But I don't think that's even there anymore, is it, Joe? Or that- well, what they did uh, back with the renovations in 2015, they took the first, you know, eight to 10 rows of seats out of uh, Prongville so that overhang doesn't, doesn't come down as far. So uh, other than Bradley Zimmer's home run that, that went into the, the mezzanine section last year, yeah. you know, we, we haven't really seen many home runs hit into that mezzanine section where, you know, it was pretty famous for depositing uh, Travis Hafner home runs and, and they renamed it Pronkville uh, for, for several years. Uh, yeah, Travis Hafner, another one of those personalities, uh, you know, just a larger than life sort of uh, guy who, who uh, you got to cover here on the beat uh, over the last several years. Uh, now for our subtext uh, subscribers uh, on cleveland.com Guardians subtext, uh, you guys have been great with giving us responses on your memories of guys like Travis Hafner and uh, Joe Carter, Mike Hargrove. Uh, so we need to, you know, make the call out again. If you're uh, if you're on subtext, we're going to send out a text here. Uh, we want your responses. We want to hear about uh, what you remember about Pronk or if you've interacted with him or seen him. Um, and uh, again, uh, this is. You know, you can sign up if you want to be a part of Guardian Subtext. Uh, Hoinsey, we we really love, uh, you know, chatting back and forth with uh, our subscribers and, and the guys who, who really want to get to know what's going on behind the scenes with the Guardians. Now's the perfect time to sign up, uh, you know, $3.99 a month uh, to get text sent directly to your phone, uh, breaking news as it happens, and uh, sort of our analysis uh, each day. Uh, the number is uh, 216-298-4346 if you want to send a text to that number or if you want to just uh, click on cleveland.com slash subtext and uh, go from there, uh, sign up uh, that way. Uh, It's just been really fun, uh, you know, reminiscing on some of these players and hearing uh, the memories of some of our subscribers. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, feedback on uh, from from uh, uh, Tuesday's podcast on, on uh, Mike Hargrove. Mike Hargrove, yeah. A bunch of uh, replies there. Guys had fond mem- people had fond memories of Grover, and uh, it's been like that for for most of the people we, the most of the players we've talked about, Joe. Yeah, uh, just to pick up on a couple of them here, uh, Carl in uh, Orlando, uh, who's sort of relocated to Orlando. Uh, said he did meet Grover back when he lived in Cleveland. He'd go to the charity golf outing uh, several years. Grover was there on several occasions. Uh, great guy, easy to talk to, and smart as, as all heck. Uh, he was, uh, his neighbor growing up was Hal Negron, uh, falls into the same category. So uh, Carl shared that memory of, of Mike Hargrove. Um, uh, another uh, subscriber from the 330 area code, uh, said to ask him about 10 cent beer night because he was right in the middle of all that uh, as a player for Texas. 
Uh, so that's a, a memory of, of seeing Hargrove being involved there. Uh, and one last one, uh, <laughs> subscriber from another subscriber from the 330 area code uh, said to ask him how he felt about the strike zone in the 95 World Series <laughs> and what he tried to do about it. Um, well, and see, we don't want to stir up any bad memories, but no, that strike I don't think you want to ask Grover about that. <laughs> that, that, that might be a, a conversation non-starter right there uh, if, if, you, if you're with Grover. All right, uh, it's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow for a, uh, a birthday edition. How's that? All right. All right, we'll talk to you then. Did your birthday? Mine. All My right, birthday. Joe. About? I'm, we're going to have Hoinsey sing happy birthday to me. All right, definitely. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Joe.